Good morning. My name is D.A. If we haven't met, I'm one of the elders here at The Way. It's an honor to have you here. If you'd like to meet, just come say hello afterwards and pray and encourage you. love to say hey. Just a couple announcements again before we start. So we have been looking for a place to have an office, okay, because the Y is not conducive to that. Um, and uh, we have found a place to, to rent, to lease a small building, okay, on, um, I guess it's kind of Main Street, 150, uh, but it's, am I allowed to say the name? I guess I am. Am I allowed to say the location? Coffee Roasters is the current uh, business that is leasing it, um, but it's t- toward the new food line, okay, across some, it's like next to Advance Auto Parts and AutoZone, it's a small building there that we would be able to have an office, use as a small meeting space for maybe um, some, some coaching or uh, maybe a real small group. Also, we are renting a couple storage units as well right now, and we would be able to move out of those and store a lot of our stuff there. So this could be a multi-blessing. We could have an office space where throughout the week we can do some administrative things. Uh, we can have um, awareness, create awareness by putting a sign up you know, and help create some connectivity to people in the community. Uh, We could have a small meeting place for some of the smaller meetings and then storage as well. So it seems like uh, it's a a multi-blessing and it's definitely at an affordable deal. It's a a great deal, just bottom line. Financially, it's it's a wise decision if that's what the Lord does. So that could be a temporary thing that the elders are praying about. If you have any comments on that, feel free to catch up with one of the elders afterwards, but it seems like we're going to progress with that unless, unless the Lord stops it, um, and, and so far he hasn't. He's only continued to accelerate us, leasing that. So if there's anything that the Lord lays on your heart about it, hey, feel free to let one of the elders know so we can take that into consideration. That's exciting though, right? Praise the Lord. Yeah, there's a clapper. That's all right. Okay. One more thing, a little curveball at you, but, but hang in there with us. So uh, today we're going to be doing the book of Jude. Um, looking forward to that. There's a lot in, in, in Jude, so, um, but the Lord's going to encourage us through that. Hopefully we get through the whole chapter. Um, the next book in the Bible is what? Revelation. So but instead of going to Revelation next, we're going to do the book of John. We're going to do the gospel of John first, and then we're going to go to the book of Revelation. All right, so we're going to spend some more time with John. We've been spending some time with John. Um, we're going to go back and spend some more time with John, hear what Jesus has to say uh, in the gospel of John, and then we're going to jump into the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the, re- the revealing of Jesus Christ, and do, uh, do that. So thanks for your patience with us. I think that's what the Lord is leading us to do, so we're going to go with what the Lord's leading us to do, and that'll be the safe bet for everybody, right? All right, cool. So let's remember the memory verse, 2 John 1.6 says, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. All right, let's do it together. Second John 1, 6. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Nice screen, by the way. Praise the Lord. All right. Missed out on that last week. So let's uh, jump into prayer. Lord, thanks for this morning. Lord, we lift up Connie and her family, Stephen, Lord, Katrina, the, her uh, Vivian's children, Father, every, everybody that's involved. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would comfort them this morning, Father, that they would continue to 
reflect on and hear your promises, Lord, and be built up, rooted and grounded in their faith in you, Jesus. So we just pray a blessing on them, Father. Lord, we pray for this uh, location, this, this building that you maybe would have us to lease, to use for administrative purposes, Father, for ministry purposes, Lord, and then no doubt for some practical perspectives as well. Father, if that's your will, open the door. If, Lord, if it's not your will, shut the door. And, Lord, help us to not kick it down. And then, Lord, this morning we're going to be in Jude, Father. It's great. Your word is good. And so, Lord, I pray that you would wash us this morning with your word. That you would wash us. Lord, that you would transform us. We would continue to go through that metamorphosis, that caterpillar to a butterfly, being transfigured into the image of Jesus Christ for your glory. And, Father, I know that people are hurting. I know some people have some financial questions, perhaps, or some relationship challenges or some work stuff or some, some stuff that might be in their heart they, they're not even aware of, but you know all. And so, Father, we pray that today that you would minister to us. Lord, we, we give you all the glory. We, we lift your name up. But, Lord, can you please speak to us and encourage us this morning? Things maybe we weren't even aware of that we needed to hear, will you please encourage us in it this morning? And, Father, uh, we love you. We thank you. Show, you. show yourself strong on our behalf this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm stoked about this. I am stoked about this. All right, here we go, Jude. Um, no, let's just, uh, let's just read uh, Jude chapter 1, eternal security. Eternal security. Hmm, eternal security. Let's read the first two verses. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Isn't that beautiful? Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So let's talk about just something here. It says Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. In other places in the Bible, his name is not written as Jude. All right? So in some places it's Judas, um, Judah. But here's an example. Matthew 13, 55 says, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? When it says Judas there, it's the same guy who wrote this book to us here, Jude. All right? So why do I bring that up? Initially, in, from, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a group of people, and they're like, isn't this just Jesus? Like, we know his family, all right? Steve has reminded us about that. But what's interesting is they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They just thought he was a man, all right? Their brother was just another dude on earth, all right? John 7, 1 through 5 tells us that. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, so he was walking in the northern part of Israel. That's what it's telling us. Because the Jews sought to kill him around the capital of Jerusalem. Uh, J- Jerusalem was in Judea, okay? Uh, just think about North and South Carolina, okay? Just think about Israel being broken up into North and South Carolina. Okay, Ga- whenever it says Galilee, it's talking about the north part. Whenever it says Judea, it's talking about the south part. And the capital was in the south part, okay? Most of the religion, the religious, quote, unquote, people hung out in the south part, most of the country boys hung out in the north part. All right, it's backwards. But anyway. <laughs> Get it? All right. Um, 
Verse 2, so in John chapter 7. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea. So they're trying to run, run him out. That your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these, do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Capital H. His brothers did not believe that he was the Messiah. But in Acts chapter 1, we've been reminded before, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. This is the same Jude. Okay? It's the same Jude. These all continued of one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, from with his brothers. What's the point? Be patient for those who don't know Jesus. This is their, this was Jesus' brother-in-law. Well, excuse me. Half-brother. Okay? Half-brother. Same mom, different dad, right? Because Joseph wasn't Jesus' dad. The father was his dad. But his mom was Mary, right? Well, Jude's mom was Mary also. Okay? His dad... Um, it says here, James, maybe it's Joseph, but regardless, I, I believe it's Joseph. Here's the point. There's people in your life right now that you're like, man, it could be a friend, it could be a brother, it could be a sister, and you're like, I wish they would come to faith. Just keep praying for them. When did you come to faith? When did, when did the ignition turn on for you? Maybe it wasn't at two years old. You know, maybe, maybe you were 15 or 20 or 40 or 50 years old, 70, 80. So just keep praying and, and loving those who God has put in your life to pray for and love. Think about this. If you weren't in their life, who would be praying for them? All right. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to pray right now for all the people who you may have thought of when I said that. It could be a coworker. It could be a friend, family member. I don't know. But we're just going to pray for those in your life who you've been praying and desiring, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. And we just lift up those people in our life, Father. It could be uh, our workplace. It could be a, a brother. It could be a sister. It could be a son, a daughter, a mom or a dad. Father, I don't, I don't know all these names, but you know every person whom's on our heart this morning. And we pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would receive the gift of mercy, grace, and peace in you. Use us, Father, however you want. And Lord, we love you and thank you so we get to pray for them. So Father, please be at work in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Did y'all hear that? He said, listen, Jude said, hey, I've been very diligent to write to you. And while I was writing to you, I was, it was a, impressed upon my heart to remind you to contend. He didn't say high five for the faith. He said to contend for the faith. Let's finish the verse out. It says, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men 
who turn the grace of our Lord God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to read in a few minutes. What they were doing is they had a agape feast. You're going to see this has been going on, Acts 2.42. Uh, you know, the breaking of bread, prayers, quinonia, uh, having communion together. So they were doing that, okay, in this fellowship, in this meeting, who Jude is, is writing a letter to. Um, and during the agape feast, there was some people sneaking in, talking, telling lies about Jesus, about the faith. They were destroying and causing division amongst the brethren. Sneaky snakes. Sneaky snakes. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 27, through 27 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? You may know this verse well, but, but listen to this from this perspective. Let's read it. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, I'm not running with uncertainty, like, where am I going? I'm just sitting here jogging. What am I, where am I even jogging to? Jogging to get gas? Am I jogging to go to, where am I jogging to? He says, I, I don't run with uncertainty. Thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. We, Steve mentioned last week about the crown, and he was talking about the, the, the wreath, the, the perhaps sometimes parsley, that they would uh, be rewarded for the games during this time period. Give them, they give them some parsley. They give them some wilted veggies to put on their head, right? Some, some um, garnish. But here's the flip side of that. So we've heard that. Run the race. Run the race. Be focused. Run the race. What about in a race? Are you by yourself? Is there someone you're competing against? Is there someone trying to prevent you from winning the race? So often I'm like, all right, I'm following Jesus, I'm following Jesus, and I forget that someone is trying to kick me in the mouth and get me to stop following Jesus. Let's, let's be plain. Trying to kick me in the face. I'm sorry, that was a little too graphic. They want to do whatever they, the devil wants to do whatever he can do to get me to stop running this race. It's true. Do you think he's happy about me glorifying God in my life? God using me to uh, prevent people from going to hell and hanging out with the devil forever? No. So, so sometimes, look, look, Jude says this. He says, I, I'm, I'm incur- exhorting, exhorting. It's not like, Hey, guys, I'm reminding you. you might want... No, no, he says, I'm exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Like, man up, lady up, <laughs> uh, follow Jesus and be strong when there's someone speaking contrary to what God is doing. If there's a sneaky snake among us, say something. Do something. Don't be passive about it. I don't know if that was the right thing. Go home. You tell your wife about it. I don't know if that was good. No. no. If, you're, if the Lord has not made you comfortable to say something in the moment, get another brother or sister. 
Like, yo, I don't think this is right. I think this person is saying something that's divisive to what Christ is doing. It's made up of two Greek words, the word uh, contend here. It's made up of uh, epi, which is the same word we use for the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and overflows you, so you got para. What's it? We're going, hey, what's the best, uh, best way to learn something is repetition, right? And uh, so three relationships we have with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek is, I don't know why we use the Greek words, but para, P-A-R-A, the Holy Spirit is alongside of us, convincing and convicting us that you need Jesus. You know, you're out one night, you're doing something, and you get this internal still small voice like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. God's trying to do something in your life or Whatever. So that's the Holy Spirit alongside of you. Maybe it's on a Sunday morning. Maybe you're listening online right now, and you're, you're, you got a little uneasiness to you. And uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to let you know, hey, give your life to Jesus. After we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. It's E-N in the Greek, but it's really simple, I-N in the English. Alongside of us and then in us is what the Holy Spirit does. But then after he's in us, he wants to overflow us and empower us and use us to be a blessing to the people around us. So it's not just like a high five for me. It's he wants to use us to pull and bring others along. Para, in, and epi. Epi is the same, one of the words that this contend is. It means to come upon, to overflow, and agonize. You ever agonize over someone you love? Maybe... um, Something you love, maybe you, you think that uh, you have this vision for something you're supposed to do in your life, and, and you think about it, you make plans for it. He's telling us to do that for the faith. Judah's like, man, for the fa- I want you to, to overflow with agony for the faith of Jesus Christ. Like, are, what are you agonizing over currently? Your golf game? I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not like, I didn't write any. <laughs> uh, the, the, I, okay, I'm going to stop saying that. I'm just going to let the Lord speak, all right? How about that? We good? All right. You know, there's things in my life that I agonize over that God has not called me to agonize over. There are things that I put in a higher priority in my heart that God's like, yo, 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 put faith number one. All right, so here's the let the desire be upon you to agonize for the faith, contend for the faith. Bad guys want to stop you, go to war in love. Bad guys want to stop you, go to war in love for the faith of Jesus Christ. Be bold, man. All right, it's enough. Verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, Afterward, destroyed those who do not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. He is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So he says here, Judah's saying, hey, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were a people who knew God mixed with a people who didn't know or love God. 
and, the, and, and they turned, they, the people who knew God turned away from those things that they knew and began to walk in things that they shouldn't walk in, and God brought down fire from heaven and consumed the city. And Judah's telling us that was done for an example for us, that there were people who once knew God and were following God and turned away from God, and they were destroyed. There's some really good things in here in the midst of this really not good thing. Look at this. Look at verse 5. Again, in Jude. As the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, we all know that, right? He brought them out of Egypt. Afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. He brought them out. And there was some who had a, uh, they, they disengaged. They didn't believe. I know this is tough, but watch. There's going to be good news. Let's, let's learn the, the truth, too. Here's another interesting thing. Look, angels, let me ask you this. Were angels into, in submission to God? They were angels. Angels in heaven. Hanging out with God. But what happened? Angels, verse, we're still in verse, um, let's do verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. The angels said, you know what, Satan? You're right. We should be worshipped. We should be in charge. They were once in right standing with God, these angels, and they changed their mind and walked away and left heaven. Did God force that? But they were like, no, we should be worshipped. They wanted to be in the place of God. Well, there's the door. <laughs> and they left and they went to hell. And what are they now? Demons. They're demons. Look, verse, um, verse 7. Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner. So he's comparing. Listen, he just said, Sodom and Gomorrah were just like those angels. They were just like the people in Egypt. They did not believe. They had, they had a relationship. God brought them out of Egypt. There was some kind of relationship there. To some degree, there was a, these angels have some kind of, they were in heaven. There was some kind of relationship there. Call it what you want. I don't know to what degree it was, but they were an angel and they left. They were in Egypt and they followed God out. <laughs> there was some kind of relationship there and then they left. Acts 27, 30-31. As the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, so Paul's on a boat, they're on a boat, they're, they're, they have a destination. Under pretense of putting out anchors from the plow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. They were, they were in a boat, they were in a storm, the storm. The boat was rocking, right? They were concerned about the boat. Uh, people were like, hey, man, we're about to jump off of here. We're about to leave this, this ship right now. And Paul says, from inspiration of God, if you jump off the boat, you're not going to be saved. Stay on the boat. They're thinking, the boat is rocking, man. This thing's about to bust apart. I'm not an idiot. I'm jumping off. Paul didn't say anything about that. He said, stay on the boat and be saved. 
I think that's what it is with eternal security, family. Jesus has a fountain, and the fountain is flowing. And he says, come to the fountain and you'll be forgiven. You'll, uh, uh, though you were as scarlet, your sins will be made as white as snow. Stay in the fountain. Stay in the fountain. The fountain, he doesn't cut the fountain off. We step out from underneath the fountain. Jesus doesn't say, I'm not going to forgive you, does he? Have you ever heard Jesus say, I'm not going to forgive you? That would be closing the spout. That would be turning the spigot of blessing off. That would be the fountain of living waters stopping. But have you ever heard Jesus say, I'm not going to forgive you? No. We say, I'm not coming to ask for forgiveness. Because every, we've learned it in John. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. So eternal security isn't a question of um, can you lose your salvation? The question is, are you walking away from God? And that's a dangerous place to be in, according to Jude right here. Verse 11. How do we step away? We're in the fountain. Maybe you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're living a life of blessing. How do we end up over there? outside of the blessing. How do we reject what, that which we initially received? Verse 11. Did I skip 15 verses? I feel like I did. Verse 8. All right, here we go. Verse 8. Sorry. Um, 5 through 10. I, I got to verse 6. Verse 7. Sodom Gomorrah. Okay, verse 8. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Do you see how God so often talks about rebellion, and he does not like it? Yet Michael, verse 9, the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So he understood authority. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast. In these things, they corrupt themselves. All right, here we go. Woe to them, look at verse 11, for they have gone in the way of Cain, number one, they have run greedily in the error of Balaam, number two, for profit, and three, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. All right, let's pause. God just told us how they ended up where they were. Initially knowing the Father, walking in the bountiful blessing, being under the blessing, and then he says, and here's what they did to end up over here. Look at verse 11 again. Woe to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and they've perished in the rebellion of Korah. All right, here we go. How did they step out? What's the way of Cain? What, you're going to probably say what I initially well, murder, right? No, that wasn't the way of Cain. The way of Cain is anger. Look at it. Genesis 4, 1 through 15. It's pretty long, but let's read it together. You know Cain and Abel. Everybody knows Cain and Abel. You've heard about it, right? If you don't, here you go. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. So she was happy. Verse 2. Then, bore, uh, then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, all right? 
And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? What did the Lord address right off the bat? Before, before all this went down, he addressed his anger. <laughs> this is good, man. Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. <laughs> but you should rule over it. Contend for the faith. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Verse 12, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you've driven me out this day from the face of the ground, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Still gracious. Still great. God is still gracious. He still said, I'll, I'll protect you, Cain. But what, before the murder, what did God say to Cain? Why are you angry? And then he was like, Cain, I'm warning you, bro. Your anger is going to put you in a bad spot. And he said, sin is at the door, Cain. If you don't control this moment, this moment's going to take over you. Your anger. And what happened? Later, apparently he didn't deal with anger, and he murdered his brother. He stepped out from the fountain, and he stepped out even after God had warned him not to step out. Anger can move you out of the fountain of God's blessing. Anger. You, you thought of some other list. There, there, are other, there may be. We're in Jude chapter 1 this morning. This is where we are, and where we are is where we are, is where I am too. And this is what God is saying to us. Anger can move you out of the fountain of God's blessings. Number two, the error of Balaam. In, in verse 11, it says, Woe to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. Number two, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. Well, what's the error of Balaam? Well, let's look. You remember, we've talked about Balaam and Balak a lot. Balak the king, Balaam the prophet. God's people came and camped in Balak's land. Balak was mad and wanted them to be cursed. And he found the prophet Balaam. Said, Balaam, curse God's people. And Balaam was like, I'm not cursing God's people. Balaam was like, hey, Balaam, curse God's people. Well, Numbers chapter 22, 1, uh, 12 to 22, it says, and God said to Balaam. Now, Balak's talking. Now, God is talking to Balaam. You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak, the king, and said, Balaam refuses to go with us. And Balak said uh, again, 
So the king again sent princes more numerous and more honorable. See, he, he sent even more special people to go talk to Balaam. Verse 16, they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor. Thus says the king, is what they're saying. Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. Verse 17, for I will certainly honor you greatly. Listen, this is what the king is saying to Balaam through his messengers. And I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse his people for me. But the cats, verse 17 there, for I will certainly honor you greatly. Verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, went with the princes of Moab. Then in the morning, oh, excuse me, then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Balaam, Balaam uh, had been told no by God, don't curse the people. They come back and like, man, we'll give you whatever you want. That's what they're saying. The king said, I will honor you to whatever degree you want to be honored. Balaam said, hold on, let me go talk to God one more time. What did God say? I told you not to go, but hey, if you're going to go, go. So he goes. The donkey even knows they're in trouble. The donkey even stops. It's like, yo, man, we're, this is no good. This is no bueno right here. And what's, what's, the, what's Balaam do? Come on, donkey, let's go. What do we do? We got, we're going to get blessed here, in essence. Greed can move you out of the fountain of God's blessing. Greed can move you out of the fountain of God's blessing. Look, I got some decisions in front of me right now. I'm telling you, uh, just being... Whew, you know, there's some things I see, see ahead on the horizon. <laughs> I just can kind of see them down the road, and it's, a cho- it's going to be a choice. And it's going to be money or Jesus is going to be the choice. I just, you know, and you're going to have the same choice too. It's going to be money or Jesus. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Number three, what's the third thing that moved them out of the fountain? Well, look at verse 11 again. Woe to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. They've run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. So greed. And they've perished in the rebellion of Korah. Well, what's the rebellion of Korah? You ready? Here we go. Numbers 16, 1 through 11. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons. I should have not put the... The, that verse in there, so we don't have to read these names. Um, I should have got a stand-in for that one. And on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses. So Moses is leading the people. Okay, They're out of Egypt. They're not in the promised land yet. They're in that in-between journey. They're on the way to the promised land. Moses is kind of the one God has been speaking to. And um, where are we at? Verse 2 again. They rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. That lists the people we just named. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. (laughs) They gathered together against Moses and Aaron. 
and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves. For all the... (laughs) For all, the, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers. Korah and all your company, put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the holy one. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before him in the congregation to serve him? And that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? So Moses was doing what God had called him to do. We all know he did it reluctantly. Remember the burning bush? (laughs) You remember he said, hey, no, even after the burning bush, what did he say? When God was like, hey, I need you to lead these people out, God, uh, Moses was like, hey, I, I can't talk. You have to find somebody else, right? And God was like, all right, Aaron's going to do a lot of the talking for you, okay? And um, so anyways, God used Moses and Aaron. He leads them out, right? God divides up the people, puts them where he wants them. And one group of people, Levi, the Levites, it's a big family, okay? It's kind of like any other last name you want to say in here. But this is the Levites, family of Levi, right? One of Jacob's 12. But anyways. They had a responsibility. Levi did. And amongst the Levites, Korah's family had a very special responsibility as it relates to serving God's people in the middle of the wilderness. They already had been given a responsibility. They were set apart from among men. And they looked at Moses and said, you're doing too much. We need to do that. And Moses is like, bro, I didn't put myself in this spot. God did this. Like, what's the bottom line? Envy can move you out of the fountain of God's blessing. Envy can move you out of the fountain of God's blessing. Look, man, I say this with humility uh, and just being real, too. Look, it's not a bad thing sometimes to just go ahead and humble yourself before God has to do it for you. Just Just go ahead and get it over with because you humbling yourself is a lot wiser than what sometimes God does and it hurts. Just go on quietly, just go on and humble yourself. Moses didn't. He wasn't even dang the one that needed to be humbled. Moses just dropped on his face right off the bat. He wasn't even the one who was, God was having to deal with. One person ran their mouth, another just got on their face. One person ran their mouth, and another person just got on their face. What did God do? One person made it. Envy can move you out of the fountain of God's blessings. Number one, anger caused Cain to murder his brother. Greed caused Balaam to prophesy against God's people. Envy caused Korah to rebel against God's chosen leader. 
Anger, greed, and envy can motivate you to step out from the blessings of God. This will preach. I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm just saying, man, God has given us a blessing this morning by telling us this. God is, young men, young women, everybody in this room, like God is saying, look, man, anger causes you to step out for what I'm trying to do in your life. Greed causes you to step out. Like, look, you're going to have a choice in front of you. Do you want the more here? Do you want the more now? Uh, later. Do you want the more now or do you want the more later? And envy caused Korah to rebel against God's chosen leader. Does it mean that God turned off the faucet? Or does it mean they stepped out from underneath the blessing? Verse 12. These are spots in your love feast. There it is, agape feast. So they, big feast. These, the, the, the anger, the caught up in greed, caught up in envy, knowing God, but then rebelling against God. He says, these are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear. Serving only themselves. They are clouds without water. I'm a cloud, I'm a cloud, I'm a cloud. Ain't no rain coming off you, bro. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, sometimes I'm, I keep reading. There are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit. Twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Gosh, that is scary. Verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also. He foretold about this situation that was going to happen, guys. He's saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You remember earlier when we, said, when we read in Genesis that uh, uh, Cain brought an offering to God. Abel brought an offering to God. God accepted one offering, didn't accept the other. But was God mad about that, or was God calling him out about his anger? Yeah. He was like, hey, man, why are you mad? He warned him before he even let it fully bloom in his heart. He murdered him after. God spoke to him before. He was like, yo, 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 bro, hold up. Slow your roll, man. I feel like this is a snowball that's getting out of control right here. It happened again with Enoch. Enoch prophesied saying, hey, man, there's going to be people among you, and they are going to be among you, and they're going to be uh, rejecting the Father among you and causing division. I'm warning you, they're going to be judged. Verse 16, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people. To gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ? How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. 
These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be loved. You can look at the fruit to tell what kind of tree it is, right? You don't pick up a peach and say, well, I think it's an apple tree. You pick up a peach and say, well, it must be a peach tree, right? Okay? So when you see this list, when you read the news, when you look at the news, when you go to work, when you hang around anybody on earth <laughs> and you see this list of stuff, this fruit, well, it must be from the tree that the fruit lines up with. So, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I like this because sometimes you're reading it and you're like, well, these are just um, not, not intelligent people. Right? When you start reading this list, like doing all this stuff. But then he throws in there, but the, verse 7, always learning. So it's not like some just person who is uneducated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not just like, wait, stay focused. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Like these people are putting knowledge in them. They're consuming material, trying to, you know, become smarter. And yet, here's the bottom line. I know that news sometimes can accelerate, news can sometimes accelerate uh, what's really going on, okay? In other words, like this, all right? If one person on one end of your street is up to, maybe they put a new, um, speaking of golf, they put a new green in their backyard to practice their putting, right? And you live on the other end of the street, okay? Well, you don't know that happened unless you drive down there and you see they put a green up in their backyard to practice their putting, Right? Or they could text you a picture of it nowadays, right? So I know that today's media is able to accelerate the obvious of what's already going on, okay? But also, if you look at culture in our country alone, just our country alone, every person in this room who is older than me will tell you it's changing. Not my words your own eyewitness accounts. It's, yes, there's always been crime. Yes, there's always been greed. There's always been evil. evil. There's always been sexual immorality. There's always been all the fruit of the flesh. But anybody in here who is older than me will tell you and me both, it's different now. Am I wrong? Is it picking up steam? Well, so is the sneaky division. I wrote down here, sneaky punks. Verse 20. 
But you, beloved, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Pause. He just told us how to stay in the fountain. He just, he just snuck it in there. Like, okay, I know I don't want to get out from the fountain of God's blessing. And everybody in here, I hope you know what I'm talking about when I say the fountain of God's blessing. Okay? Let me give you an example of the fountain of God's blessing. Okay? And I say this with utmost humility. I just share it because God said share it. How about that, applesauce? All right? This happened to me at work this week. Not making it up, telling you specifically what happened. Someone who worked on my team came up to me and said, I just want to let you know that no one here respects you. Okay? Oh, yeah, it gets better. Uh, <laughs> this is my life, bro. So he comes up and he says, I just want, and he's standing with uh, someone who, who, who has some seniority there. It's perfect timing. Uh, and he says, no one here dis, uh, respects you. Uh, they cuss you out to your face, and they talk about it when you walk away. They talk about how much they cuss you out. You have no respect in this place. What do you say to that? You're fired. No, I'm joking. I did. There's like four, like, yeah, no, no, that's not my style. I was like, here's my response. I guess the Lord said, I was like, hey, man, a lot of people carry themselves a lot of different ways, but that's not my game. I'm here to help you win. I'm going to give you all the resources you need to be successful so you find accomplishment here. And if people want to talk about me, that's fine. But you'll never hear me in any conversation we ever have or had had, if you reflect on it, speak about anybody else negatively. Think, and I told time out, think about it. Think of every conversation you've ever had with me, and if you've once heard me speak negatively about someone else. Love you, bro. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. I'm smiling, but on the inside, what was I feeling? My butt was kicked. I was broken. I wasn't mad. I, wasn't, I just wasn't my response. I wasn't mad. I was hurt. That's just me. I'm a softy. I was hurt because I try and lay it all down for him, you know? <laughs> this is hilarious. You ready for this? I'm skipping some stuff. But I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead, Lord. I promise you, the same night this happened, four hours later, <laughs> they had a, um, <clears throat> someone flew in from out of state who goes to all the manufacturing facilities across the country to just assess what's cooking. And he pulled me aside, and my coworker, another who, peer, and he said, I have a list of 400 names of leaders across the country right now inside that office, and you're one of two names who've never had a complaint against them. He said, no one on this shift has ever said anything negative about you, and we've done lots of reviews. What? No, no, well, yeah, I don't know what to do either, right? No, I don't. But you've been getting your butt kicked. They said they don't respect you. Hey, say what you want. The Lord is at work. You know what I'm saying? Do you, you know what I'm saying? Clearly, right? 
And so here, here I am, and here you are, and here we are. And we wake up in the morning, and we try and get it together, and we try and follow Jesus. That's it. <laughs> and we're running this race, and we get kicked in the mouth, right? We get shoved down. We get made fun of because we're going to apply biblical principles even when everybody around us makes fun of us and says, that's silly. That's not the cool thing to talk about. Let's talk about this instead. And, and that weighs on you and weighs in then. <laughs> At just the right time, he'll bring you a cup of cold water on your race. If that's just along the race, we just get the little cup now. What's it going to be, fam, when we get there? How big is that cup going to be when we get there, standing before him and he hugs us and we hug him? Hmm. Three things that will keep you in the fountain, family. He tells us right here in verses 20 to 21. Look at it again. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do you build yourself up in the faith? Faith comes by. Faith comes by. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. How do you build yourself up in your most holy faith? Read and study the word of God. You want to stay in the fountain? Put it in you. Put it in your heart. Think about it. Read it. When you don't read it for a week, go back and pick up the treasure again. If you haven't read it for a year or five, go back and grab it and pick it up again. You want to stay in the fountain? You want to be built up? Read and study the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. But he said, yeah, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. Psalm 1, it's not up there. He read it this morning before the service. I was like, yeah, God knows what he's doing. Um, I don't know if Sean was, who, who came up with that Psalm 1, one through 3 to, to read this morning, but it's perfect. Remember, I, I love this passage, uh, Psalm. Psalm, 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 Psalm 1, right there, so close. I'm just going to read it again. It's probably on the screen. It can be, but no, I'm not going to do that to him. Psalm 1, 1, 2, 3, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, so he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but, so instead of walking with uh, the ungodly, uh, instead of standing with sinners, instead of sitting with the scornful, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a what? A broken off branch sinking, no. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. When it's time to have fruit, it's going to have fruit. And whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he... A couple things he does. One or two things he does. Whatever he does shall prosper. Fall in love with the word. Reading and studying God's word keeps you abiding and standing under the fountain of blessings. Number two, he tells us right there in verses 20 and 21. Back to Jude chapter 1. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Number two, praying in the Spirit. All right, here we go. Uh, you know, hot topic sometimes. We don't, we have been kind of quietly mentioning it more and more and more, but uh, 
1 Corinthians 14. You can write it down. 1 Corinthians 14, right? I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. This is Paul writing. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Paul, this is Paul, man. New Testament dude. He's saying, For, I, I, don't neglect this blessing here to speak with tongues, all right? Ephesians 6, 17 through 20. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We all know that, right? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains that, I, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, one more correlate. Romans 8. We all know Romans 8, 28 through 29, right? Everybody in here, right? What is it? Let's hear it. Somebody say it. Just say it. For we know that all things work together for God, uh, for good to those who love God, to those called according to his purposes. For them he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did I get that right? Ish. Before it says, all things work together for good, before it says, that all things work together for good. Look what it says, right? Before it says that. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It's both Jesus praying for us and us allowing the Spirit to pray through us in words we don't even understand what they are. Romans 8, 28 through 29. And we know that all things work together for good. Can I tell you, honest, promise you this really happened this week when that guy told me he did not respect me you know what I did I went to my office I sat at my lunch desk and I prayed in tongues my whole lunch period and four hours later somebody came and said that to me <laughs> don't tell me it's not real be prayer warriors if I'm sorry I get excited about it but if you'll do it man if you'll just now, look, it seems that the emphasis is Paul is saying praying quietly, privately. That seem, we, when you read it contextually, the preeminence, the, the majority of what he's saying is saying, this is also a personal, private prayer language. Well, how, you're like, maybe many of you pray in the Spirit in here, and that's fine. Maybe some of you don't, and that's fine. And maybe the Lord is stirring your heart, and you're in that kind of like when someone shares a gospel, and you think you're supposed to go forward, but you're not, kind of moment about praying in tongues. Here's what happened when I, first time I ever prayed in tongues. All right, you ready? <laughs> uh, this is good. I have to take a minute to catch my breath. Um, I, I was praying. <laughs> It's just good memories, man. It's good memories. Um,
I got a text that someone gave their life to the Lord from the gospels presented. And I was just like, yeah, somebody gave their life to the Lord. Just, I know. She's like, yeah. It has nothing to, it kind of does have a lot to do with this, actually. kind of has a lot to do with this, actually. Someone gave their life to the Lord this week. And I just, um, so anyways. The lady, it was a lady, and she said, and I was like, I don't know how to pray in tongues. She said, just start opening your mouth and talking. Just let it out. That's what I did. And it was awkward, and it was weird. But from that moment, after about five seconds in, I realized, oh, snap. I'm praying in a language. I don't know what it is. And from that day forward... I, I do not pray as often as I want in the Spirit. You hear what I just said? Because whatever I do, whenever we do, it, it's praying perfectly. Like, I don't know what to pray for sometimes. It's, it's, it's perfect prayer. So please, you know, go home. Get on your knees if you have to. Next to your bed. Be with your spouse if you want to. And listen, please don't. don't there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you don't pray in, in the spirit, in tongues, at home after this and you go home today, please don't think that you're not born again. Please don't think that you're isolated from God. It's none of that. Uh, just keep praying saying, God, is this something you're giving me? How, how, I want this. Lord, I just pray for everybody in this room right now if this, that you would appropriately... <laughs> that you would appropriately give them this gift, if it's your will, Father, so they can pray in this deeper way uh, with words that we don't even know how you're praying through us, but we know that your spirit is interceding for us. Would you give my friends and, and those listening this gift, if that's your will, Father, for your glory, and help us to, to take a step of faith in that, in that moment. It's kind of like when we go to share the gospel. I don't know what to say. I'm, just, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to say it. I don't know what to pray. I'm just going to, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man, sorry. Number three, how do we stay in the fountain of God's blessing? Um, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Looking for his coming. I don't do that enough either, right? It's this ex expectancy that Jesus could be now. And so this proactive, like, I'm looking for his coming, like, how do I want to be found? Look, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let me be found living for Jesus, found living for Jesus. May that be a fresh encouragement to everybody in this room who's been getting beat up lately. I just want to freshly remind you, he is coming, and he is coming soon, okay? And that could be tomorrow, that could be today, that could be in 20 years. If it's 30 years, if it's 40 years, Jesus is coming soon. Soon. Job 14, 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. That's Job. Talk about getting beat up, right? Lamentations 3, 25 through 26, the Lord is good to those who, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There's more cross-references there. You can look at the notes online after this teaching. You can go to uh, the Way Fellowship of the Triad and 
um, get these notes. I have more cross-references in Matthew and Luke. But looking for, watching, and waiting expectantly keeps you under and in the fountain of God's blessings. Uh, Waiting for, looking for, looking for, looking for, watching, and waiting expectantly keeps you under and in the fountain of God's blessings. Think about it. If we're not looking for that, we can wander into something else. Okay? All right. Uh, Verse, well, let me refresh. Stay in the fountain of God's blessings. So we talked about uh, anger, uh, greed, and envy. Anger ah, gets you out. Uh, Greed will get you out. Envy will get you out. What helps you abide in? Read and study God's word. Pray in the spirit and look for his return. Okay? Verse 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. So here's how to share the gospel. With some people, you're going to be tender and gentle. With other people, you're going to be bold and strong. Look, it says it. How do you share the gospel? Verse 22. On some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. There's sometimes you just have to be bold with somebody, right? And sometimes uh, it's a longer, slower game. Verse 24. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty. Dominion and power. Both now and forever. Amen. It says there in verse 24, Jesus can do two, to, two things right here. He can keep you from stumbling and he can present you faultless. So even, I'm not, I'm not justifying the stumbling, but if you do stumble, he can present you faultless. But the only one who's making that offer across the world right now, there's only one person. Pull out your phone, look on the news. Research, read every book in the library in your town. Go, go to the library today and read every book in alphabetical order from the first book in your library to the last. And there's only one person who can forgive you of your sins, and it's Jesus. There's only one person who can present you to God as faultless. In other words, you go to God and he sees you as faultless. His name is Jesus. John 10, 25 to 30, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Calvinism and Arminianism is an argument, it's a theological argument about a position on uh, once saved, always saved, okay, eternal security. And uh, Calvinism says that if someone uh, is lost and in sin, they've never been saved, okay, never been saved. Uh, Arminianism um, says that they chose to go there, okay, so if someone gives their life to Christ, uh, you look at their life and you see fruit of the flesh, and you don't see any fruit of the Spirit in your life, a Calvinist would say they were never saved, Maybe they came to church a bunch. Maybe they served in church some. They started serving. Maybe they went to some outreaches. Maybe they even told people about Jesus. You see someone, they come to church. They sit right here on the front row. They start serving a ministry here, help setting up. Uh, they start reading the Bible here, participating. They go to an outreach with us, and they tell people about Jesus. And then six months down the road, you see them not following Jesus, hating Jesus, even talking bad about Jesus. Somebody will look at that person and say they were never saved. Somebody else will look at that person and say, well, they chose to walk away. Here's the bottom line we need to know. They need ministry. Love them. It does, we can argue about how, I don't know. Who knows? God knows if they were saved or not. God knows if they chose to walk away or not. I know here's a person who needs Jesus. Let's go love them and wash their feet. So once saved, always saved. I say this. Eternal security? Yeah. Eternal security? Yeah, the fountain's on. He ain't going to cut it off. I would encourage you not to walk away. The fountain is on. He will not cut it off. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will blot every sin out. He is able to present us faultless before the Father. He, he's, all that, that water is running. And it's eternal. And it's secure. I wouldn't walk away from it if I was you. That's dangerous. And if you know somebody in your life right now who maybe you thought was in the fountain and maybe they're not now, remember at the beginning of service I said, let's pray for that person. Let's be patient with them. Let's contend for the faith with love. Sometimes it's compassion. Sometimes it's with fear we bring the heat. But um, I, I'm closing. You can, are we doing a song? I don't know if we're doing a song. Doesn't look like anybody's doing a song, does it? Y'all don't want me to sing. Um, Jude 1.4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of... Aw. <laughs> he had a choice to make right there, didn't he? Love you, bro. Jude 1, 20-21, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Colossians 2, 13-14, and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with them, having forgiven all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So today, today, we get to rejoice. We get to rejoice because we're going to live forever if we're in the fountain. Dude, like, I'm going to heaven, bro. 
Like, this ain't it for me. This struggle's gonna stop. <laughs> it's gonna be good, man. I know it doesn't make sense fully. We don't can't comprehend it, but one day, guys, we're gonna be set free, and we don't know when that's gonna be. And, and from 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 other perspectives, it it might not make sense. But from a heavenly perspective, it will all come together. So this morning, if you want to live in heaven forever with, with Jesus Christ, if you want to, to be able to go to heaven because of what he did for you, like he did everything, that's the cross, he did it all. Today, will you put your faith in Jesus as the savior of your life and forgiver of your sins? Today, will you do that? And then maybe, maybe you've been beat up this week. Maybe, you know, you're like, hey, man, I need to jump back in the word. I need to... Uh, jump back into praying in the spirit. I need to jump back into looking for, the, for Jesus with expectancy. I want to jump back in the fountain. This week, uh, I, was, I, was at a, I was hanging out with some other, hanging out with some brothers and sisters in Christ, and we were just kind of talking about what the Lord was doing. Man, I just was listening to, like, how much people are growing in their faith. Like, it's getting deeper and deeper in their love for Jesus, and every, we're all growing, and we're all, uh, you know, in different places, but man, we're all in, so many people in Christ. And so today, if, uh, I pray that there were some things in there that will help you continue to, uh, to grow. You know, it's easy right now when we're all together to follow Jesus, it is. And, and, and sometimes I get really apprehensive about not being here at this place and, and having to go back to battle. But uh, this is where he has us. He has us uh, here to get filled up and then go back to battle and tell people about Jesus. And so... Uh, you know, sometimes that's not fun, honestly. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it just, uh, it, it's just really hard sometimes. But um, I believe in the promises in this word. And, and one day these promises are, uh, well, they've already started to be fulfilled in our life. And one day we'll see the, the completion of these promises.